or communicate with us through our website, and we will follow up with you accordingly. Please share those prayer requests with us so we can be in prayer for whatever is going on in your life at this time. If you are watching online with little ones, we emailed out our lesson plan for today. You're welcome to print that out at home, follow along. It's got some uh, teachable moments there in craft and uh, scripture to follow along with the themes that we're covering on Sunday morning. So I encourage you to do that. Um, also, if you would like, there are some invitations in the back for our Christmas Eve service on Friday night. We'll meet here at 5.30 for cookies and punch or something, something to drink. Um, but encourage you to bring cookies to that. That's always appreciated. And um, But if you want to invite someone, uh, Jen and Pebby put together some lovely invitations. Uh, they even have little bows tied on them. I mean, come on. It is fancy. It's quite, this is like, this is very unlike us, something this tasteful and attractive. Unlike us, yes, you and, you and me. So, um, but pick one of those up on your way out if you'd like to invite someone to the service on Christmas Eve. Um, let's see, we have today a women's ornament exchange. That's what time? <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. Um, that is at 6 o'clock tonight right here. Our women are gathering to, uh, I don't know how they do it, but it involves like leg wrestling or something. Um, eye gouging, yes. Um, but they'll, they'll be a, a ornament exchange. And is that where you can like steal an ornament from someone else if you like theirs better than the one you got or something like that? Okay. All right. So game on, ladies. No knives. Yes, you'll, you'll be, there'll be a metal detector at the door to keep Judy Harrell from packing heat. <laughs> All right. Um, where was I? Ladies Exchange. Um, all right. We have our final Advent Zoom Bible study Tuesday night at 7. We will be looking, I believe, at the Gospel of John and the... Um, the origin narrative there, which is very different from the other Gospels. Um, but uh, that should be interesting and engaging. And I think that's good. What am I forgetting? We had a great time Friday night, by the way. We went Christmas caroling in the neighborhood here behind us. Um, we had two trailers, about 15 bales of hay. So it was kind of a hayride Christmas caroling deal. And uh, we used electric candles. Instead of like the real candles on hay, which I don't know how that could go wrong, but we used electric candles anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'd be a hayride, caroling, and a bonfire. <laughs> and screaming and, yes. Um, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, we, we got off to kind of a slow start. I think the first two cul-de-sacs we stopped at, there was no one there. We were singing to God, which is okay. But... Uh, it picked up a little after that, and we, we gained a little bit of an audience at different stops, and it was fun. We had a good time. So it was actually 74 degrees, so instead of hot chocolate and wassail, we just did juice boxes and cold water because we didn't want people dehydrating. 
But uh, hey, Christmas in San Antonio. It's picking up a little bit. It's starting to feel a lot like Christmas, so that's a good thing. All right. At this time, why don't I have all of the important people come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, you are invited down to our children's chat at this time before you go to Hope for Kids. How are you all today? Doing well? Okay. All right. So there was, you know who Abraham was? You know who Abraham's wife was? Starts with an S. Sarah. Very good. Hold on. What color star do you want? How about red to match your shirt? All right. Good job. All right. So Abraham and Sarah, and they had a son together. Do you remember his name? That's a tough one. Isaac. Right? Do you remember Isaac's wife's name? Rebecca. And then Isaac and Rebecca had twins. The twins were Esau and, starts with a J, Jacob. All right. And so then Jacob got married to a woman named Leah, and they had eventually six children together. That's a lot, right? And so Leah, when she had her first son, and this is what she said when she had her first son, well, she named him Reuben because he made good sandwiches. Just kidding. Right? She named him Reuben, which meant that God had looked upon me. So looked upon is what Reuben means in the language that Leah spoke. And then she had a son named Simeon, which means I've been heard, like I asked God for a child and he gave me one. Then she had a son named Levi. His name means attached, and that's a complicated reason, but connected would be a good way to say that. And then Judah, and Judah means praise God. So when she had her fourth son, she named him Judah. She named him praise God. And that was the son that would be the father of the lineage that led to Jesus. So Leah gave birth to Judah, and he was the father who gave who was the ancestor to Jesus. So Leah is Jesus' great, 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 mother. That's Leah. Pretty cool? All right, do you think she knew when she gave birth to her fourth son that she was producing eventually the Messiah? No, she had no idea, right? But God worked through her to bring about the hope of the world. Can I pray with you guys? All right. Dear God, we pray that you would work through each of us to bring forth hope, to bring forth light and love and the good news of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for Leah. 
and her contribution to the history of your family. We thank you that she was the mother who led to the birth of Jesus and that through her, you worked your salvation into the world for our benefit, to bring us into your family, to be one of your children, to look up to you and say, praise God. And so, Father, I pray that as these children go to Hope for Kids today, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great time. All right. Well, we have been in a uh, series of messages of late over the Advent season called Pursued. We are looking at the women in the lineage of the Messiah and how God moved them from typically from places of brokenness into the lineage of hope. And so we're looking at this idea of how God pursues us in our brokenness, in our woundedness, in our uh, places and times of isolation and pain and confusion. How does God move today? It's, it's likely very similar to the ways in which he moved uh, throughout time. And so we're trying to look at these passages and ask ourselves the question, in what ways is God pursuing us and how is it that his redemption works today uh, as we see it worked out in these passages here? So this morning, uh, after I pray, we're going to look at a, a, a passage in the book of Genesis and then a couple other places, and I'll give you a little bit of background on that. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and prepare our hearts for his word this morning. God, our Father, as we open your word today, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would read in us that which we need to give to you, that you would remind us as we engage your word how you have engaged in our lives to forgive, to redeem, to restore, to bring us to places of hope and joy. And Father, we pray that those themes would be alive and well in our hearts today because of what your son Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And we acknowledge our need for that forgiveness and cleansing grace. And we pray for those relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for reconciliation and peace where it is needed. We lift up before you those whom we know and love who are sick or recovering from uncertain uh, diagnoses. And Lord, we pray your healing mercies upon those we love. Uh, we lift up uh, Dean Morris and Josh Johnson, um, Yolanda Clifton, Mike Clifton, um, and many others that we lift to you now in the hope of your healing mercies being poured out upon them. And Lord, we lift up this nation and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed, and we pray your wisdom and discernment over the decisions that are before them. We lift up the men and women of our country who serve to protect and defend our Constitution, and we pray that you would watch over them and keep them safe. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, that, and we ask that you would bring them home safely. 
we pray for those military families that are separated from each other right now during these holidays as a result of their service to our country. And we pray that your peace, light, joy, and hope would shine in their hearts as well. And Lord, that for those who have returned home from their service to our country changed, uh, we pray your healing and your peace over their minds, bodies, and souls. We ask that you would use us to minister that grace to their hearts and to shine the light of your love to them and their families. We pray for your church here at Hope and all over the world. We thank you for our recent time with Pastor Miguel from Cuba. We thank you that you got him home safely and with all of his stuff. And we just praise you for uh, that relationship that you have raised up in the life of our church. And we uh, just pray your blessing over what you're doing in that context in Cuba. Uh, continue to pour out your spirit and, and be, a, be present in, in their midst. And Lord, we lift up the church plants that we are connected to uh, here in Texas, in New Braunfels, in Katy, and in Austin. And we just pray your blessing upon those young works as well. Be with us now as we open your word, open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today we are looking at the person of Leah in the Bible. She, um, <coughs> you'll see in the text that we're going to read, um, she is living outside of the area of Canaan. Abraham came from Ur to Canaan and started his family and his life there. He had a son. Isaac, who had a son, uh, Jacob, and Jacob has been sent back to the region of his father and mother's family to find a wife and to come back to Canaan. <coughs> the problem is, Jacob is not a respectable human being. <laughs> He's a little bit of a conniver. He gets his way through life by taking advantage of others. And so he goes to this foreign land that's his land of his ancestors to find a wife, and he's trying to connive, to negotiate, to make a deal. And he runs into someone who's actually related to his mother, I think, as this whole thing gets weird. Um, and who actually out-connives him. And Jacob is a bit undone by this. He's used to being the one who trips up the other person. That's actually what his name means, heel grabber, and taking advantage over them and coming out on top. And his soon-to-be father-in-law outdoes him. And you'll see this in the text, and it gets a little weird. All right? And so... <laughs> um, Bear with me, the text is a little um, off the wall in some places here, and you will also see a somewhat confusing to us uh, statement about days and a, a week, etc. When someone got married in the ancient world in this culture, they were given a week together, that's their honeymoon basically, and they were given a week together to just be the husband and wife and kind of figure out what that meant. And so you'll hear that referenced in this passage. 
that's what Laban, Jacob's then father-in-law, is talking about when he says, complete your week, just finish your honeymoon. That's like, it's like a legal obligation. That's when the marriage is finalized, and that's what he's talking about. And there'll be some other context in here that we'll, we'll set later after we've read it. But I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read uh, through to verse 35, and then I'm going to jump over to Genesis 49 and Matthew 1 and read a couple other passages before we get started. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you, serve with you for Rachel? Why then? Have you deceived me? Laban said, it, it, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. The story goes on, and Leah eventually has two more sons. Rachel eventually has a son. Uh, The maidservants that are mentioned in the passage each have sons by Isaac. It's, it's really weird, and it's creepy and kind of not right. But it's, 
it's by Jacob. What did I say? Oh, sorry. Yes, by Jacob. Um, and uh, so years, years later, you know the story of Joseph. He gets sold by his brothers into slavery, taken to Egypt, uh, thrown in prison. He rises up out of that situation and becomes basically second in command in Egypt. And at this point, Jacob is pronouncing blessings over his 12 sons uh, in Egypt. <coughs> and he gets to Judah, and he says a few things in the passages, the verses before this. But then he says this, this rather cryptic but very powerful phrase as he's sort of extending his hand over his or over his son Judah. He says the scepter, which is a symbol of authority, kingly authority, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So this is kind of a crazy thing to say over a fourth-born son, but this is where the, the blessing of the promise of the Messiah falls down upon the descendants of Jacob, is upon his fourth-born Judah. And then I want to just jump to Matthew 1, verses 1 and 2, just to sort of connect the dots to Jesus. Matthew begins his gospel by saying, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And so you see through this series of passages that Leah is the ancestor of the Messiah. Leah, who was outshined by her sister, who was sort of traded off by her father just to be done with her, who was taken by Jacob but not loved. And then her husband marries the woman who has outshone her her entire life. And you see in her words after the birth of her first four sons, you see, or her first three especially, you see these articulations of her pain and her emotional state as she moves through these series of hopes and aspirations for herself in relation to her husband. She just wants to be loved. And this desire for human love evades her time and again. And this is her cross to bear in life, it seems. She is in pain. She is hurting. She's confused. And that's where I would like us to begin. As, as we look at Leah's story, I want us to look at our own lives, our own hearts, our own longings, and disappointments, the ways in which we have been left without in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own situations. And 
So we begin by acknowledging our own pain. As we, as we will spend just a moment here acknowledging the pain that Leah was in as she articulates it herself primarily, um, I want us to ask that question, where are we? Where do we feel like something is missing in our own hearts? God wants us to be honest about how we feel. So let's just look at Leah for a moment. Verse 17 tells us she feels less than. Uh, When it says that she has weak eyes, that doesn't mean that her eyesight is failing. It's an old, it's an ancient expression that means she's not easy to look at. So Leah grows up in the shadow of her beautiful sister, Rachel, and lives with this feeling of being less than. In walks Jacob, and he doesn't even see her. All he sees is her sister. And he makes a deal with her dad to work for seven years so he could be married to Leah's sister. She's invisible. She is already feeling less than. She's just not even noticed. And then the passage goes on to show us that she feels rejected and dismissed. Verse 25, she faces this double rejection. Her father doesn't believe that she's marryable. And so he has a feast. He gets his soon-to-be son-in-law drunk, presumably, and switches girls on the wedding night. Yikes. Um, Jacob wakes up in the morning, and he's married to the wrong woman, at least in his mind. Um, So he goes to Laban, and he's like, what's the deal? And Laban effectively says, she has a wonderful personality. (laughs) And Jacob then has to labor another seven years. He waits waits a few days, and then he's married to Leah's sister. So Leah has her husband to herself for a week. And then he commits another seven years so that he can be married to both of them and, again, leave her feeling ignored, invisible, undesired, unwanted. And so, less than, invisible, rejected, dismissed, unwanted, and even despised. The verse 32, I believe it is, I'm sorry, verse 31 It says, the Lord saw that Leah was hated. This is a, Hebrew works in really strange ways. This word is often used as the opposite of love. And so hate is a viable option for translating it. Um, 
it might also work as the, the root of the word for disgusting. Like that Leah was found to be disgusting in the eyes of her husband. This is why God listened to her. It's a really strong word. And God sees Leah. He hears the cry of her heart. And he moves in a way that will eventually lead her to a new place. We'll see that in a moment. So here we are. And I ask you, when in your life have you felt less than, invisible, rejected, inadequate, dismissed, unwanted, despised, ashamed, guilty, unwanted, already said that. We have to, when we are relating to God through his word, we have to be honest about who we are and how we feel. And then I'll just add this. This passage also reminds us to stop making it worse. I don't know about you, but the demon assigned to me is on a beach in Jamaica with a pina colada kicking back. He's got a cell phone there, and he tells his buddies in San Antonio, hey, if you see Tom Masterson acting like a righteous man, give me a call. I'll fly up and take care of it. But for now, he's doing just fine by himself. He undermines himself better than anyone else on my team. And you see Rachel doing the same thing, just sort of doubling down in her grief, in her sadness. And <coughs> there's this this is a bit this one's a bit implied. I'm I'm sort of implying something from the passage that in verse 17 when it says her eyes are weak and her sister is beautiful is that a stretch to say that she's grown up comparing herself to someone else everyone else is i think this is her reality and so instead of looking at herself on her own terms she's constantly comparing herself her sister. That's not going to make your situation better. If you are comparing yourself to someone else, there's always someone smarter, richer, more attractive, whatever. Fill in the blank. This is not the way to grow spiritually. It's a way to make yourself miserable. So, Stop comparing yourself to others and stop seeking validation from other human beings. You see a very sad cascade of feelings with Leah's first three children. Her first son, she says, because the Lord has looked, I'm sorry, Yes, Leah conceived, bore a son, called his name Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. Sweetheart, no, he won't. That's not how that works. So she tries again. 
And she says, because the Lord has heard that I am hated or that I am disgusting, he has given me this son also. His name is Simeon. That means heard. I've been heard. It didn't change her status in relation to other people. She was still feeling the same way after Simeon was born that she felt before he was born. And again, she conceived and bore a son, saying, This time my husband will be attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Sweetheart, no, this is not how it works. You feel her pain, you see it, and she's just crying out for affirmation, for validation. And so I want us to turn and see this massive change that she reveals when her fourth son is born. And this is the one. This is the one that will lead to the coming of the Messiah to earth. This is the son through whom the promise will be fulfilled. And I want you to notice the change that happens in verse 35. She conceived again and bore a son and said, this time, I will praise the Lord. There's no other human relationship in view when she says that. She has come to the end of her dashed hopes in finding human affirmation, affection, validation. And she says when her fourth child is born, I have God. That will be enough. And so she reminds us to look up. To look up from our circumstances, to look up from ourselves, from our comparisons to other people, and to remember that we have a God that is to be praised. We're to look up to know that God sees you, to seek validation from him alone. To know that we serve a God who's listening, who knows how we feel, who cares about how we feel. Who's seen all of the, the people who have missed us in our lives. And he says, I've got you. I love you. And in this looking up, Leah also leads us to look to the cross. It is this fourth son, weirdly, that will be the one that will lead to the lineage that will be the, the father of the lineage that will lead to the Messiah. It is this fourth son over whom his father says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, 
nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. It is over this fourth son that Leah points us to the cross, to the fact that the despised one becomes the mother of hope eternal, that the rejected one becomes the mother of our salvation. The woman that God includes in the lineage to bring about the Messiah. Judah is the son through whom the gospel will come to the world. If only Leah could have seen who she truly was. Who she was in God's eyes the promise that was fulfilled in her and through her. The mother that will be part of the lineage of redemption. The one through whom God has moved. If only she could have seen who she truly was. If only you and I could truly see who we are in God's eyes. That he sees us not as rejected, but as redeemed, as beloved, as worth dying for, as those for whom his redemption will be worked out on a cross. So, I want to read, I'm just going to close with a scripture passage and then a prayer. What if Leah could have heard these words? She has heard them now. But listen to this passage from Revelation. This is the description of the one who would come from her womb, that through her fourth-born son, this would be the fulfillment. This is the description of him to whom she gave birth. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress wine of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe, and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The fulfillment of that prophecy in Genesis 49 over Leah's fourth son is the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Leah. You are not disgusting. You are beautiful. You are the mother 
of hope. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we are humbled before your word, before the ways in which you move throughout the history of the redemption of your people to bring souls from places of despair and pain and loss to places of hope, redemption, and joy. Lord, we thank you for this incredible woman that you moved through so long ago for what you fulfilled within her, what you did for her. Lord, we trust and believe that you still do the same for us. Father, speak into our places of pain in our own hearts. Lift our heads to see the light of the glory of your Son shining before us to give us love, hope, peace, and joy eternal. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to shine that light into the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.